Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Oh man, that funky beat it's too funky. My goodness, my lord. <laughs> Welcome to the There It Is podcast. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you guys for listening. If this is your first time listening, hello. Thank you. If it's your second time listening, thank you for coming back. I'm glad you're listening. Fun episode on this one. I have uh, the second of the There It Is podcast. I speak with comedian and jack of all trades, Corey Cavan. We have a very fun talk that spans a lot of fun stuff, a lot of good stuff. We even fit in a reference to the room. So that's always a good thing. Really good talk. uh, Lots to learn about. Let's get to it. Uh, That talk coming up right after this break. Are you ready for this? Your company's name here has all of the hottest products or services you provide that you've been looking for. Enjoy a benefit related to your product and the opportunity to have your product for half the price. Yes, half the price. Or whatever deal your company has paid for me to announce. Now is the time to buy from your company name here. And you'd better do it quickly because products are leaving the shelves, lots, web store, company name, a sponsor you can hear about because they bought ad time on my podcast by going to thereitis.com and contacting me to discuss buying ad time. Do you toss and turn at night because you want more of the There It Is podcast? Are you growing despondent between episodes? Do you often wonder where it is? I'm Jason Farr, and you may have Thereitis. There is no cure for Theritis, but you can join a support group. The Theritis Foundation. Support the There It Is podcast to keep your Theritis at bay, as in B-A-E. Go to thereitispod.com and click the support button. You can support one time only or become a monthly supporter. Supporting the Theritis Foundation allows for us to keep getting the word out about Theritis through the blog on thereitispod.com and the podcast. You don't catch Theritis. Theritis catches you. But it's okay. And I should know. I, too, have Theritis. Well, hey, Corey, thanks for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's yes, uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, definitely. So um, just uh, start out here, let our, our listeners know where you come, came from, what you do. You're from Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Yes. Yeah. I was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I was actually born in Pineville, North Carolina, which is like part of Charlotte. And then we moved right outside of Charlotte to Weddington, North Carolina, which is also like five minutes outside. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was born and raised, grew up there till I was 18 and then went to college in Chapel Hill. How did you make the jump from Charlotte to New York? Cause you're in New York city now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in New York now. I've been here um, like ten and a half years now, and um, I so I went to like I said, I went to school in um, in Chapel Hill. Was there for four years, and then after school, <clears throat> um, a 
I'll give you a brief rundown of like the four years after school before New York. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I had a friend who also didn't know what he wanted to do. And, but I was really into snowboarding. And so we were going to try to work at a snowboarding camp. Um, and, uh, that was in Oregon. And so we came home, I came back to Charlotte, uh, after college and I got a job at my friend's dad's, uh, he was a job recruiter. And so I got a job at the job recruiter. Um, so I like spent a summer doing, I would, I would recruit people to do different temp jobs. And I, one of them was, I was recruiting long haul truckers to go clean up an oil spill and oh, wow. I think in like New Orleans or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I just spent all this time like talking to truckers, trying to get them down there. So I did that for a summer and then saved a bunch of money. And my friend and I drove out at the end of the summer, um, and we were going to just try to get jobs at this mountain in Oregon to work at this, like to work with the snowboard camp. And we oh. spent like two, we spent like two months on the road, uh, and stayed with people, did a bunch of camping stuff like that. And, um, and then we got to Oregon and, uh, <laughs> we were just like, ah, oh, this is the town. Like we didn't really <laughs> like it that much, uh, which I will say, like, if you're going to move to anywhere, you should like go spend a weekend or a week there first <laughs> as opposed to packing up everything you own. That's a good and, idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't just pack up all your belongings and drive there with no backup plan. Um, so we got there, we went that into it. Um, and, uh, the day we were going to leave, we, we were staying with friends, uh, friends, a uh, friend's parents in Portland occasionally. And so we were like, let's drive back to Portland and stay with Ray's parents and, and we'll make a decision as to whether we like this place or not. And on our way out of town, um, it was Memorial. I think it was Memorial Day, Labor Day. Is Labor Day the one in the fall? Uh, yeah, Day. I'm real bad about knowing that. I always get them confused. Me too. Yeah. Me too. It's 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 whatever it's whatever three day weekend. Of I'm those a two bad American. Me as well. <laughs> Terrible American. Um, but uh, we were driving out of town on the Friday of that weekend, and we got rear-ended. Uh, by this kid, and he pushed our car into the car in front of us. We basically got sandwiched between two cars. Oh, wow. Uh, and neither one of us were hurt, but uh, the dude in the front got out of the car and started yelling at us and was like freaking out. And then we were like, no, the kid behind us did it. And so he started yelling at that kid. And then, uh, and then, and then they, showed up with, they showed up with a tow truck. My car was totaled. Um, oh, and we basically got stranded in that town. And, um, and since it was, since it was either Labor Day or Memorial Day weekend, we couldn't get a rental car either because yeah, it was closed. Everybody, oh, dang. Yeah. So the tow truck driver, he gave us a ride to a hotel. He offered to let us stay in his basement and he was like, <laughs> he's like, you guys can uh, come stay in my basement. We were like, oh, cool. Thanks. And then he was like, yeah, man, uh. Maybe over the weekend I can get you guys some girls or something. And we were like, ah, I think we'll just go to the hotel. Like that, that's, <laughs> we don't even know you. And, um, but so we stayed there that weekend. That turned into six weeks. And then <laughs> I can't and get then, over this guy. He's like, it, offering a basement and girls. <laughs> like, it feels like, I don't know if you saw the movie Room that, is, that was out this year, which is I about. Seen that. I've only seen The Room. The Room. Awesome. Oh. I've seen The Room. Oh. The room. Are you talking about the um, I'm, yeah, the Tommy I'm movie? The Tommy, yes, the Tommy yeah. Wiseau movie. I've seen the yeah, room. Yeah. I've never yeah, seen yeah. the room though. Both yeah. Oscar caliber. Both Oscar caliber, and um, and I'll tell you this: Brie Larson may have won an Oscar, but there's only one person out of those movies that deserves to win an Oscar, and that's Tommy Wiseau. That's Tommy. <laughs> Wiseau. 
total Oscar caliber right there. <laughs> it's so great. Um, that's great. The the room. I for all your listeners right now, just say if you've never seen the room, look seen, it up. Look it up. See the movie. Yeah. Then buy the book Disaster Artist and read it. And yeah. Then yeah. Watch the movie Disaster Artist yeah. that James Franco is making. That's awesome. Um, well, so yeah, so room. So the reason trucker, I brought up room yeah. is I this trucker basically the movie room, not the room. The movie room is about an abduction where Brie Larson has to live in a basement for years, and that seems like what that trucker was trying to do to That's, us, possibly. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, or just trying to be like a really. Yeah, oh, he was a creepy <laughs> guy trying to be nice, or exactly. he was a creepy guy who was dark and demented. Either one of those two is like, like a away. lot of things happen in the past hour. We just got in a car wreck. We don't need another thing like that. Right, exactly. So uh, yeah, so we stayed at a so long story short, stayed at a hotel for six weeks. Met all these people in this town, um, which was great, and um, ended up living in this house for a little bit with. Um, a friend that we'd met in the town, this stepdad, his two stepkids, and this their friend of theirs who had run away from home. His parents knew where he was, but he was just like, I can't live with my parents anymore. Oh, wow. So it was just it was just a, a stepdad with a bunch of like teenage boys and our friend who was nineteen and us. And they were really cool, but it was like if you can imagine <laughs> the amount of like male not understanding how to clean or responsibly keep a home. That's where we were living. They had uh, they had a, like a laundry chute in the floor where you would uh, where you would throw clothes, and you know it's usually connected to a chute, but there's no chute. It was just a hole in the floor, oh and it God. went down. The, it went to the laundry room, and everyone would just throw clothes there. And I kid you not, it was like it was like two feet high of just dirty clothes on the floor in the laundry room. Just and uh, the bathroom, the bathroom where you would take a shower. In the in in the tub, there were two little like two little f- clean footprints of where you would stand, oh, but everywhere else surrounding there was just like soap scum on the floor. That's, it was when you ridiculous. start when you said in the tub, the nightmare image in my head was exactly what you described. Yeah. So I kind of did end up in room when you think about it. I kind of kind of ended up in room as the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of like that. Um, but, uh, but anyway, it, um, they were great. We stayed with them for a little while. And after all that, we had on our way through, we'd come through Montana. And when we were coming through Montana, Montana, we were like, oh, we're moving to Oregon. And this old, another weird character in the story, this old man, he was like, he's like, oh, you shouldn't move to Montana. You should just stay right here. And then we were like, okay, whatever. Or he's like, you shouldn't move to Oregon. You should stay right here. And we were like, all right, whatever. And then afterwards we were like, maybe he was right. And so, um. So we drove back to Montana. Um, we got a hotel. This is like before cell phones were super prominent. And, okay. and, uh, and so uh, so we would use the hotel phone line for our main phone yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. So and, it's uh, like 2000, 2001-ish. This is like 2000, yeah, 2000, yeah. And uh, so then basically we we got an apartment that way. We got like a guy to call and talk to him there, got an apartment, drove back to Oregon, got our stuff. My car got fixed. And then spent a year in Montana and, um, and like snowboarded, worked at restaurants, lived the dream of post-college poverty, worked on a potato farm for a little bit, um, just digging potatoes. So did that for a year and then moved back to Charlotte and, um, 
I spent like four years in Charlotte. I got in, I was a film major in college. So Charlotte, I don't know if you know this or not, but like Charlotte has a decent film industry in terms of like filming commercials. It's mm-hmm. the home of NASCAR, which you probably yeah. know. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of, a lot of NASCAR commercials there. So I worked on a bunch of those as like an assistant and was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I spent the summers working at this summer camp that mm-hmm. a bunch of friends of mine had gone to as a kids, but they needed staff to like work there in the summer. So I was their media guy. I'd make mm-hmm. all their videos and edit everything. And and then I started making, which essentially, I guess, this was like before YouTube, but they were web series. Like uh, they were basically just like, we'd make a little video for the kids and they were like silly camp things, but it was right. like, we'd do, a, we'd do like Survivor or American Idol, but everyone would be a character and we would shoot like a five minute video about it or whatever. And um, so I did that for four years and then realized after a while, I was like, oh, I, I, I had done improv in college and was part of a, a an improv club called Comedy Sports, which is like a short okay. form, like, it's kind of like whose line is it anyway? Yeah, and, and you went to Chapel Hill, so I imagine you know Zach mm-hmm. Ward. It, well, I, so I was in Comedy Sports with Zach Ward. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I was in, it was, that Comedy Sports crew was really cool because it was Zach Ward who went on to start uh, DSI and Chapel Hill, South phenomenal Chapel theater. Hill. Yeah. yeah, and he also worked at like Improv Boston and was in Chicago mm-hmm. for a while. Um, also, Anthony King was uh, he was like the artistic director then, and Anthony ended up coming to New York, doing a lot of stuff with UCB, and then he um, he's like a writer on Broad City now, and he's oh, written wow. on um, he's he's done a he wrote a, a a show that was at UCB that turned into this off Broadway play that they do in different cities now and stuff. Anthony's He's done a bunch of different things. He's been on a bunch of different shows and um, is writing all this stuff. And then Charlie Todd was also in that. He started Improv Everywhere. Have you ever heard of that? They're like the flash mob thing where they have like Frozen Grand Central and all those things. So Charlie was in that class. And and, uh, a guy named Steve Lesser and his wife, Jenny Stencil, they started an improv club. And a guy named Doug Heberly. They all started this place called The Idiot Box in Greensboro, which is like a comedy place. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so like a lot, it was there was a lot of great really people there. great crew because that's for so southeast. Awesome. The the people you a lot of people you're mentioning are big names in the southeast for comedy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean a lot of those people have gone on and done really cool stuff. Yeah. Zach is like I feel like for Chapel Hill and just for the, like the I guess the southern mid Atlantic or just like North Carolina up to Virginia and down. Zach has basically brought all of that com- all of like improv and long form and that kind of indie comedy scene. He's like revitalized and brought that whole thing down there. It's, it's been it's great. really great what he's doing. Yeah. So, so yeah. you had a really great crew. And so <coughs> you, you had this background doing improv. So you knew you were funny and then you were making web series so you could create a product to put right. out. So when did you get the bug to say, well, let me go to New York and try to f- figure yeah. out what I can do with this stuff. Well, so after that four years of being at that camp and stuff, I just basically was like, kind of hit a crash. I was probably like 25 at that point, and I was like, I don't. If I keep doing this, I'll just you know keep working on commercials, and that's fine. But I, I started talking to this guy who, he was um, from New York, and he was uh, he had just moved to Charlotte. And he was like, you should think about going to New York. There's like a lot of comedy there. And he was like, and it seems like when you were doing comedy in college, you really liked it. And the guys I mentioned before, Anthony King and Charlie Todd, were in New York. And I had gone up there to visit a friend before I'd seen them. And so I went to 
one of the very early uh, DSI. I don't even think it was called. I don't think DSI was. It, it, DSI had just started. I don't know what it. I, even, I guess it was still called DSI, but they they did what's their um, the North Carolina Comedy yeah, Arts Festival now. Yeah, it's I now to, called that, but it was called DSI, <clears throat> the, like the the DSI festival. DSI or festival or something. Yeah. I went to. I think it was like the second or third one of those, and um, saw a bunch of people from New York and Chicago, and. Um, and uh, I had decided I was going to go to New York and take a one-week intensive improv class at, at Upright Citizens Brigade. They oh, do wow. these things where you do an entire level in a week. And um, and when I was at the thing at the the DSI festival, I talked to Anthony King and Charlie Todd and was like, "I'm coming to New York uh, to do a class." And Anthony was like, "I actually saw you on the roster because he was teaching the classes." Oh, cool. And um, <clears throat> came up there like a month later. This is March of 2005, and uh, took a class, loved it, and um, and kind of had that feeling like when I would walk to class every day, being like, "Could I live here? Like, could I? Could this be my norm or whatever?" Yeah. And then Anthony, we went out after the class was over. Anthony, and I went out and got a drink, and he was like, "So, when are you going to move here?" And I was like, <laughs> uh, 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 "I don't know, uh, maybe soon." And then I went home and thought about it, and. That kind of, I guess the bug was like you were saying, I like knew how to make videos. I was into media. I was into comedy and had done stuff in the past. I was kind of finally ready for this change in my life. Because when I got out of college, I, I would always say, I want to move to New York and do improv. But I had no idea what that meant. It was just, I was, and, um, so then that's what it, what it basically turned into be was like I took a level one and was like, okay, I think I could do this. And so then I went from there and, uh, and moved to 2005. Wow, that's great. Okay, so yeah. you've been out there 12 years then, if you went out mm-hmm. in 2005, I guess. Not 12, 11. Oh, yeah. Going uh, on 11. and a half, 11. 11. Yeah, yeah. That's when I moved to Greenville. So I, I went okay. Greenville, and you went New York. And, yeah. So uh, where, where, did, where did you come from? Where were you before Greenville? Spartanburg, <laughs> South okay. Carolina. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I, made this, I made a huge what? move to you Greenville. Made a huge move. Much cooler downtown in Greenville, though. Oh you guys, yeah. Do you still have a Barley's Pizza there? Yeah. yeah Went there last night. Great. Barley's is great. Yeah. Please. Uh, if you're ever in Greenville, go to Barley's. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so you did this. I did the huge move to Greenville uh, and was working in radio. You took, at the same time, a huge move to New York City and were working, started working at MTV and VH1 and all these places. How did yeah. you. Uh, uh, so, so. Briefly, what did you do at VH1 and MTV at at the start of it? Of at the start of like at well, the start of did, to New York. Yeah. Um, basically, what happened is I, like I said, when I was in Charlotte, I was working in in commercials and and just media in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So I moved to New York without a job. I found an apartment on Craigslist, and I had some money saved up, and I had a f- couple freelance clients, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm going to try to get a, you know. My main thing was, like I said, moved to New York to do improv. And I remember I had an internship at UCB, and I talked to this guy who uh, did a bunch of shows there. And um, he was like, "So wh- why'd you move here?" And I was like, I, "For this man to do improv." And he was kind of like, "He was like, really? That's it? Like that's that's your plan?" And I was like, "Oh shoot!" So uh, so to start out, I got a I got a temp job to start out with. Um, and I, I worked in an office as a file clerk, which basically there was a filing cabinet that was like 25 feet long. And it was a construction company that's, it's like one of the world's biggest construction companies. And their 
like a dinosaur company. They weren't, it was all on paper and they're just like this filing cabinet is in shambles. It's your job to go in there every day and just reorganize it. Oh, and, uh, wow. it was a terrible job. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, a rough job. But, every, but they were really nice. Everyone, they were super nice. And, um, and I, I, uh, took a class, uh, and I started auditioning for commercials. It was like a how to audition for commercials class. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that. And then, um, and I got like my first, um, I got my first commercial through. It was a, it was the thing on this this little like I don't know if you've ever seen on AMC movies or whatever where they will say like we're showing a movie tonight. It was a show called like Dinner in a Movie or something like that. It was called Date Night, and basically yeah. it was like we're showing a movie, and at the commercials they'd be like this girl Rachel in every commercial is going to go on a mini date with each guy, <laughs> yeah. and then and then and then we'll get back to watching Rambo. And so that I was the first that. thing I ever. Oh, yeah, so then I did those. Cool. Yeah, I, that was the first thing I ever did. But my the people at the job were really supportive. And then, probably six, seven months into that job, a friend of mine that I'd met in that UCB class, um, he worked for a reality show company, and he was like, "They need people here to, uh, they need people here to transcribe, which that means you you just watch raw footage and type out exactly what the people are saying mm-hmm. and." Uh, and so I took that job, and it was a reality wedding show. It was a show about destination weddings. So uh-huh. I would just watch rough of wedding planners and uh, and brides fighting, and um, <laughs> and uh, did and I worked there for like a year. Um, and my roommate at the time, who had also met for UCB, he worked at VH1 on a show called Best Week Ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, at the end of that year at the reality company, he said we need someone to be an overnight video editor. And um, so I got a job o- editing a video podcast overnight for Best Week Ever and did that for two years. So I would go in at like 8 p.m. Wow. and then I would leave at 4 in the morning and just edit this thing. And um, But That's it was it was great. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of work and it was a very weird schedule. But um, it was great because uh, eventually – so the guy that got me the original transcribing job was this guy that I met in my level one class named Bill Granberg. And then um, when I started working at VH1, um, I knew this other guy from the class named Josh Lay. And the reason I mentioned their names is we met in that first class and we've collaborated for for ten and a half years now. Yeah, and Josh um, Lay I'm familiar with from uh, similar work that you've done. But yes, we'll get, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, yeah. But we started working together at VH1. Actually, yeah. he six months afterwards he got a job at VH1, and basically, the two of us just made that made that video podcast for two years overnight. So it, it actually gave us a lot of time to sit there and um, and be like, all right, well, we're here till four in the morning. Let's like think of a video to make outside of here or something like that. Oh, that's cool. So I did, yeah. So I did VH1 for two years, and um, and I met a girl there named Sarah Schaefer. He's great. Um, yeah, I know where that's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so she she got a job there, and we worked together. It, during the day, if they needed someone to sit in and blog for the, the Best Week Ever website, I would sit in sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. So like work overnight and then come in the next morning after like four hours of sleep and, and blog. But Sarah and I got to be friends, and she um, she ended up getting a job blogging for Jimmy Fallon when he right. started at Night with Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. She got me to apply, and uh, so then 
uh, I got a job at Fallon and worked yeah, there for four and years. That's when I became familiar with you. I actually was familiar with her because of some work she did on AOL. And then I think I oh, saw yeah. some VH1 stuff. But then when she started doing the late night stuff, uh, I thought, oh, that's great. And then I started seeing you on there. So yeah. what uh, at Fallon, at late night with Jimmy Fallon, I should say, what uh, were you uh, in control of? What, all, what was all the comedy you got to do there? So we did, um, it's crazy to think about it now, but when that show started, no, you couldn't really watch any late night show online, which is crazy because that's like right. the standard of things now. But they went into that show saying, we want this to be the first show that has a full online thing. I think at that time, Conan had some stuff that you could, like that Conan had a, like a website and a blog that you could check some extra content out. But no one was really yeah. doing it really in depth at that point. It, yeah, you guys really like... He obviously, Conan has obviously done a lot too, but you guys really yeah. spearheaded that because you guys won Emmys for for your yeah. web work. <clears throat> yeah, we won Emmys for, I guess we, we, won, we won two Emmys. We were nominated for three Emmys at the time we were there. We got two Emmys there, um, which was also such a weird thing because it was like winning an Emmy for blogging. It was very weird that it was like, that was a thing. <laughs> But, but uh, your site was great. Like I, I mean, oh, it was thanks. as fun to go to the late night with Jimmy Fallon website as it was to watch the show. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the point. Is Jimmy was like, I want this to be um, kind of a, a destination for like we want this show. We want people to watch the show, but we know that people aren't going to be up. We know people are going to be bored at their jobs and be like, Oh, I love that bit on the show last night. I want to go look at it again. Mm -hmm. And then they, they also hired us as the bloggers to, to like, to write, come up with different franchises. So, you know, mm -hmm. we would, we, people would send us free stuff all the time at the show, but there would be weird products. They, and we had a free bin in the office. So we just go find weird stuff and write like a review on it. And we did a thing called we get stuff where we would just re review the weird products we got. Mm -hmm. Um, but we did that kind of stuff. And then, um, and you backstage reviews and stuff like that. Yeah, you did a lot of um, website stuff. Like you had the interactive uh, videos of like a tour yeah, backstage, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, you also appeared on camera a couple few times. Mm -hmm. uh, so how did you transition from? Well, you're doing work on the web, but then you're also getting some work on the on the show, some jokes on the show, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the cool thing about that that show in particular, and when you work at like a late night show, is that it, it tends to be a pretty a collaborative experience. It's collaborative, and it's also like you're putting a show on every night. So mm -hmm. the writers and the producers are like, oh, "We we gotta, we're doing this game. We we don't have time to cast someone. Uh, Corey, you're gonna be the guy in this game, and you're gonna put on this karate outfit, and then you know, and and so and the cool thing was too, like when they had hired us, we were all comedians and right, or you know, writers but also performers and this whole time I was like I'd been auditioning for stuff and doing shows at UCB and doing stuff with Josh and Bill those two right. guys I mentioned and so uh, so they put they would put people in the office and stuff and luckily there was this one writer there this guy Gerard who's still there he's been there mm -hmm. since day one Gerard um, would just put me in a lot of things like he would he there was a bit 
where um, at the end of the bit, uh, a Yeti would run out and throw a T-shirt <laughs> to the audience. I remember was, that. Yeah. And he was like, and he was like, and for some reason, the Yeti's best friend is the beekeeper. And so you're the beekeeper. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. And that, and so we would do that bit a bunch. And I had like my own beekeeping suit at Fallon. And, wow. um, and, uh, and they ended up doing, um, I don't know if you remember, but they had Stephen Colbert come on and sing Rebecca Black's yeah, Friday. Friday with and, the Roots yeah, and, uh, and ta- well, no, what was his Taylor, name? Hicks. Taylor Hicks, Taylor Hicks, <laughs> um, but they put the Yeti and the beekeeper in that. And so there's this, I have a picture of this. This is so crazy. I have a picture of we're standing backstage and it's me, Taylor Hicks, uh, <laughs> Seth Herzog, who's the warm up comic for Fallon. Right. who's on the show all the time. Yeah. Uh, Gerard in the Yeti suit. And, uh, and Colbert was back there and Colbert was so nice. And he was like, let's all get a picture. And I was like, okay. And so I got my phone and I went back to take it and he just goes, no, get in it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then we got someone else to take the picture, but it was such a, like looking at that now, that's such an insane moment that, you know, it was so cool to get to be a part of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember but, that. That was hilarious. Yeah. That one was, that was super fun, but they would do, yeah, to, to get in bits like that. It's usually just because the. The staff gets super close because you work with those people mm-hmm. every day, and so then they're and like, "They know oh, they can fine. trust you." Exactly, they're like, "You know what you're doing. You, you know, you perform comedy. Like, we can put you in this, and you'll be, you know, you'll be funny, and you yeah. can at least look at the camera, and you know that kind of thing." And so, uh, um, so yeah, that's kind of how those things happened, and and then, and then we were making stuff, you know, on the web too. Yeah, and so you transitioned from late night into. Um, I know you went to Nikki and Sarah live on MTV after mm-hmm. that with Sarah Schaefer and Nikki Glazer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, uh, you also did, uh, some web, some, your own web thing. You did the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so at that same time during the Fallon stuff, um, mm-hmm. like I said, outside of Fallon, which this is just, I feel like the case with anyone doing comedy anywhere. It's like you have your job and, even if a lot of times that job is still in entertainment, you're still doing your own stuff outside of work, you know? Yeah, ideally, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, and so we, Josh and Bill and I, the two guys that I met in my level one UCB that I came up to take that I mentioned, um, we decided that we had worked well together. We did a sketch show together back in like 2006 or 2007, uh-huh. and it was the most ambitious sketch show ever. Down to the point where we were like, we're gonna. They're like, when you when you see sketch, man, people walk out and they put on a wig and a jacket and they pretend like they're a cop. And we're like, that's not how cops look. Cops <laughs> wear nice shoes. We're gonna change shoes in between every sketch. And it was, it oh, was. Wow, that is very so ambitious. O- yeah, and it was so <laughs> ambitious that it went off horribly because it was like we had so many props and so many costume changes. The show went terrible. So a couple years later, we were like, let's do something together that we can actually really figure out and we did this web series called model wife um which was a series about me being married to a supermodel and josh and bill were like our best friends Mm -hmm. so we did um we did a couple episodes of that and uh i got a guy we had a friend direct the first three and then a guy from fallon started directing them we got this we we got this we cast this girl who was a model named carme uh carme carme And she's like a she's a Ford model in New York uh-huh. City, and she uh, was also an actress. And she's so talented. She's she's uh, from Spain, so she speaks Spanish. And she was like getting better at her English when she was in New York. But she would read scripts of ours, 
and they would be these weird scripts and she would be like reading them in her second language and just she was just like I would just memorize words and I didn't know what they were but I would just say them and she would get them <laughs> but we did this whole web series in uh, above average which is uh it's Lorne Michaels YouTube arm in New York it's like the oh, the cool. SNL YouTube thing oh, and they do web series they saw um Model Wife and they said you know they were trying to kind of get sketch groups to make content for them. So we pitched them this thing called The Trunk, which you said that was a, The Trunk is a web series. There's, it's a web series shot through the trunk of a car. And so in every Quentin Tarantino movie, there's always a scene where they, where they open yeah. up the trunk and it's yeah. in like the camera's in the trunk. That was yeah. the brainchild behind it. it was like you I take didn't the realize Quentin that Tarantino was the, br- the brainchild of it. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that was the brainchild of it. It was, uh, it was, I think it was Josh's idea. He was like, there's that, there's that shot out of the trunk, so we just shoot a whole thing. Yeah, Josh the, is great. As, you know, He's as, amazing. As you know, yeah, but you know, if yeah, yeah, people yeah. don't know, Josh Lee is great. Josh. It's great. I was in his wedding. I can vouch. He's a he's a great man. Um, and and like a, a hilarious hilarious performer. He did a lot of like theater in high school and college. And so I feel like out of the three of us, he's the most like trained performer in oh, terms okay. of like stage stuff. He did Grease and stuff like that. And oh, so wow. he's like he's he he's like sing. he can, he can sing. He's, he's a triple th- triple threat man. He can sing. Oh, he, man, can do, yeah. he can dance. Yeah. Yeah. He's like Usher. But, um, he's a triple threat. He's. <laughs> He's a triple threat. He's like Usher, exactly. Um, whenever I think of triple threats, I always think of Usher and then Josh Lane. Josh Lane's <laughs> got to be a step below Usher. And then know? Justin Timberlake. And then JT. Yeah, yeah. I will, I will say I was not a JT fan. And then I worked on Nikki and Sarah, like you mentioned. And Nikki oh, and, and Sarah. Oh, were in love with him. Huge. Yeah. And, uh, and that show kind of made me a Justin Timberlake fan. Wow, it took you that to long. Your time, speaking of Nikki and Sarah, your time there, you were uh, doing field pieces and comedic sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm seeing that as kind of a through line for you because you also, you've, you've done some field piece stuff and sketches for Billy on the Street. Yeah, I was a contributing writer for Billy on the Street, so I contributed. Oh, okay. uh, but I, yeah, I contributed field pieces to them. I would come up with a, with basically an idea, write it out, and say like, "Here's a game you can do," and then contribute those. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then also, now, what exactly were you doing at MTV? I was doing so. Nikki and Sarah was at MTV, and I was a field producer there. But then after that, uh, I wrote. I I got hired by MTV a couple of months after Nikki and Sarah to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, MTV wanted to start a kind of like a just a comedy media experiment kind of thing, almost okay. like they wanted to start their own their own kind of like college humor. Or they they basically were like, we just want to bring people in who are writers and producers, like who are writers and understand you know how to make something, but they're also can uh, they can also know how to put something together, which is right. producing, which is like saying I can take all these elements and make it work and if I need to direct it, I can do it. So they wanted to bring people in to to they their whole thing is they were like, we just want people to make stuff. We want people to make videos. So when it started, it was it was making sketches, um, just random I mean, it was literally like I wrote a really dumb sketch one day and they were like, Cool, let's make it tomorrow. And I was like, Really? Okay. <laughs> and um so it was that, but then it ended up being um it was almost like a like a studio or an agency where they said, you know, we get sponsored by um, Snickers, and Snickers wants us to make a comedy web series. So write that. And so we wrote a web series 
<clears throat> we would pitch ideas and um, we wrote a web series for Snickers about um, what happens when you get really hungry. And we put in comedians, uh, Emmy Blotnick, who was a writer on Nikki yeah, and Sarah. Yeah, another great, yeah. Another yeah. Great. And and she worked on we worked on Fallon together too. And right. then Jordan Carlos, who Jordan is a writer on the Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore now. Jordan yeah. was also in the series, and um and it was hosted by this guy Morgan Evans that I worked with at MTV. But like we would do, we just wrote a web series about them having to do challenges when they were really hungry. So it was kind of a wit. So it was like that. I would write a bunch of random Facebook videos where it would, you know, you do a video where it's like. Kanye West said something about Taylor Swift last night. Yeah. All right, let's do a video. And we had all this, there's all these animators there that were mm-hmm. all super, like they all went to art and design school. So they were these like very like lofty, arty animators. And I'd be like, okay, here's the idea. And then they would just like make weird stuff and put it on video. <laughs> so it was like, so we do that. We do little bits for TV. It was, I. anytime anyone says, what'd you do at MTV? I'm like, ah. Uh, this is going to take a while, but let me try yeah. to explain it. So it's it. kind of so like was, sketches, but... Sketches, but... And videos, but it was... I see what you mean. It, 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 was, it was kind of anything. I mean, we were even... There's a thing called MTV Other, which is kind of like MTV's version of Above Average that I mentioned earlier, which okay. is the SNL thing. And they had a they had a Tumblr blog, and we would like write memes. I would write internet cartoons for them. Um, we would, you know, try to... I, Nick Cannon... Um, Nick Cannon was making a, a web series for them mm-hmm. and I would get emailed scripts sometime that say can you help punch up this Nick Cannon script and so it was like it was very it was really a catch all it was yeah it was a very like catch all kind of thing where you know you're just you're there's a lot of departments and um, at one point I was the head of video for MTV style, which makes mm-hmm. sense to me because I'm just a dude that like wears sneakers and boots and t-shirts. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the people that run MTV style are really cool. So we do videos for them. So it was very catch all. Yeah. It was yeah. very catch all. It was very catch all from like a comedy perspective mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what now would you say, because you've done so many different things, uh, a wide variety of things in in a variety of places, what would you say is your your niche brand of comedy? Is it it writing sketches? Is it doing web stuff? Is it writing monologue jokes? Mm -hmm. That's, it's it's really funny you say that. I was actually thinking about that this morning. Um, uh, So it's been... It's it's been kind of this like journey in my life to figure that out because I have come from a place of being a very jack of all trades kind of person and um and the fear for me in that has been like oh well if you're if you're constantly doing everything but you never specialize you know then what are you gonna you know like it, that's what are they you just say, yeah. <clears throat> that's what they say and and there's a thing where you're like are you just gonna spread yourself then but what I've kind of realized the nice thing about comedy is um. Comedy, I think, is a very self-starter kind of thing where it's two things. It's it's a self-starter thing and it's also a competitive industry. So you kind of have to fight for um, – you, you kind of have to fight for saying like, I want to do this. So I'm going to make this thing. And I think people are starting to come from a, a place of – lately a place of instead of saying, all right, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to write. 50 monologue jokes tomorrow and I'm going to turn that in like that that is a good thing to do and there are monologue writers at Fallon who I know who like 
that's their deal. They wake up and they're joke machines and they're really good writers and mm-hmm. that's their thing. I can write and maybe I, 10 jokes. <laughs> it, it, me too. And I, you know, I'm not a monologue joke writer. When I was at Fallon, I did write monologue jokes and I got, I got a couple on the air, mm-hmm. which is, which is not a brag. Cause if you think of being there for four years and getting a couple <laughs> jokes on the air, you should get more on the air. <laughs> but, but, um, but, I guess what I'm trying to say is like I've realized that um, comedy can, it can be a really self-starter thing, and um, and having a lot of talents or a lot of uh, a lot a lot of things that you have experience in, or you're good at a few things, like you can kind of cobble those together, and so uh, to to get yourself where you want to go. And so I've kind of realized. I was thinking this morning. I was like, okay, I, I'm a I'm a good producer, which means that I know how to just corral people to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know how to perform and I know how to write. And so I've, I've kind of seen that as saying, okay, I'm going to try to direct those talents as, as kind of like a, as writing as, as best I can and producing and then saying, okay, how do we, how do we take this idea and use those things and, and push it forward? And, um, so I guess I guess writer producer I guess all that to say writer awesome. producer um, okay. and because I because I also think in comedy too like um, and I've thought this for a while but like I really enjoy <clears throat> I love performing it's great and I love acting I love acting in front of a camera it's awesome mm-hmm. but I also realized like ten years ago I was like okay there's only in in your lifetime there's only a few Tom Hanks and there's like there's only a few like. You I mean you see someone like Steve Carell, who's amazing, who goes and he can do dramatic roles now, you know, and and that was Tom Hanks did that. He started out as a comedic actor, right? And now yeah, that's the Hanks. thing. It's I think would be would boggle people's <clears throat> minds if you say like, oh, sure. he, he did Man with One Red Shoe and Joe versus the Volcano before he did Philadelphia. Exactly. Yeah, he did that. He was on a, he was on Bosom Buddies, the sitcom, right, like he right. did stuff like that, and um. So, but I've realized I'm like, okay, well, I didn't go to Juilliard and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be doing Broadway and Shakespeare at any point. Um, but you know, I think even a lot of people didn't, don't know that, you know, Louis CK, he was a stand up, but he also was a, he was a writer on a lot of shows. He also, he's back- one of the first writers on late night with Conan O'Brien. He was. Yeah. yeah he, he started, yeah, he was he one of the first, yeah. In that first. Yeah. Season. And yep. he did a and lot he, of those videos, uh, like very, like very artistic pieces that look like yeah. his very well-renowned show that he's got on FX now. But back in the early '90s, he was directing videos that, yeah, you know, yeah, he was doing, doing like, show. yeah, he was doing like black and white short films and stuff like that. So I think um, I, I'm like, you know what, I I want to perform as much as possible, and I try to do that. Um, but I also want to basically use writing and producing to work with people that I like to work with and to try to make things happen. Cause the other thing, me and Bill were talking about this yesterday, um, who Bill again is one of the people from the trunk and model wife, one of the main collaborators I work with. I'm trying to write this, this script on my own now. And it's, it's, it's very hard because I'm, it's just so hard to be disciplined. And I was telling him, I was like, I just, I was like, I don't know if I'm just like, you know, I don't know if I'm just like, the kind of writer guy that can wake up and do it. And he was like, yeah, I don't know if a lot of people are that like, but basically he said, that's why it's better when you work with someone because you work with somebody else and you can, that's why they have writer's rooms on TV. Cause you get in, everybody sits together, you know, and, and, um, and you write together and you bounce ideas off of each other. And then when someone takes a script home to write it, actually a lot of people's ideas and, and, 
you kind of funnel those together. So, yeah. so yeah, I think like I think collaborating and having having multiple things you're good at if you can sort of narrow them a little bit in one direction, like in the comedy trying to make things direction. That's good, but uh, but yeah, I, I think for mine it would be. Yeah, writing and producing and taking a couple things and just sort of going in a general comedic direction. Cool. But not not as specific as being a monologue writer or something like that. Right. Okay. Well, um was that was that a good enough 15 minute per- answer for no, you? No, that's great. No. Um and now you're uh at you're about to start a job at Nickelodeon. Yes, I am. Yeah, I uh, Where Josh so Ray actually is a head writer. Josh Lay is a head writer there. Yeah, he is. Josh Lay is a head writer of this thing called The Splat, which is Nickelodeon's. Uh, it's like their throwback '90s content, um, cool. like Rugrats and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> and so I, um, uh, I just got a job as a head writer for Nicktoons, which is uh, it's their um, their cartoons division there, and they do a lot of. Uh, they do a lot of, I mean, it's funny because I don't work there yet. And so now I'm like, hope by the time this podcast comes out, I'll still work there. And, um, and uh, I'm like, I hope I don't get there. And they're like, get out of here. But, uh, but, uh, but their cartoons are like, they, they have like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is crazy because I grew up watching Turtles and it's, right. it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's been through like so many different things that it's back again yeah. and um but there's that and a bunch of other it's it's kind of like cartoons for um i think like middle school boys um <laughs> which is kind of fun because the guys like I, everybody you kind of grow up and then you're like okay cool i have to take myself back to that but kind of what we were talking about earlier is w- with writing stuff like and this was the same when i was at mtv mtv's audience was like young and female when i was there and so i've realized that you know, you you take your thing, you take your your scale of writing that you've you've got, and then you say, okay, how do I fit it into this? How do I fit it into this genre? Where like, okay, if I was a if I was a ten year old boy, what would I think was funny? And then and then you try to fit it into that, you know. So that, yeah, that's that's kind of what it would be. But yeah, Josh Lay is also there too, and um, yeah, it, it should be fun. And it was a little bit where I, I had to think about that decision where I thought, okay, this next job, like I'm super thankful for this opportunity and getting a, a writing job will sort of steer me more to where I'm, I'm having to sit down and write every single day and do it over and over to where it's just kind of like a discipline thing that you get to do every day for work and it makes you kind of force you into being more creative a little bit. Yeah. Well, speaking of collaborating and being more creative, uh, uh, working together, at the end of the podcast, I like to take something, try to write something real quick. Nothing, oh, cool. you know, nothing real big. It could be a joke or it could be the premise for a sketch or like a web thing. Um, so which of those three would you uh, want to uh, take a stab at real quick? So the, wait, the three are a joke, mm-hmm. a premise for a sketch. And what was the other one? Or like a web, th- like if you're going to do a web uh, video, like uh I don't know if that would translate as well, so maybe we won't do that one. But uh, well, that could be a premise thing too. Oh man, that's a good. Okay, I, I feel I was gonna say I feel like a joke is really challenging because it's really hard to write a joke. <laughs> that would be a good challenge, but I'm also afraid it won't work. <laughs> um, uh, but I I bet it would work. I bet it would work. Uh, 
Let's do, okay, how about we come up with a premise? How about we come up with a premise for uh, some sort of TV show or something like that? Okay, a premise for like an episode of a sitcom? Sure, and it okay. doesn't have to be a real, it doesn't have to be a real sitcom. It could, or it could be, be real if we, if we were working on a sitcom and we needed a premise for this episode. Yeah, what would yeah. it be? Okay, all right. Does that work? Yeah, yeah. I've never attempted anything like that, so it'll be good okay. to try to figure out. So, what's the process like? How do you do? You just think, well, here's something that happened in my day. Here's something I was thinking about the other day. Yeah, yeah. Or think of like, oh, I've had this idea. Um, I mean, I also think like I'm looking at you. Like I like so when you do the so when you do the podcast, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm pulling back the curtain too much here or not, but I see some I see some coats around I'm, you right now. I'm in my closet. That's where You're I in record. A closet. I record okay, in my cool. closet. Which look, I'll say this. I mean, I from the, a lot of the TV places I've worked at, the the recording booth is a closet. Yeah. So it's like yeah, that's a very yeah. suits here, hand me down suits on one side of me and shirts. And a couple yeah. of jackets and sweaters on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think of like if I mean if there was like maybe a like a show. Did you ever see the movie? Um, what is it called? Pump of the Volume with Christian Slater, where yeah, he yeah. is he's like a DJ for a high school. What is it? He's a DJ for a high <laughs> school. He's like, it's pirate radio. It's basically right. pirate radio. <clears throat> so I mean, it's if super there's bizarre. right, it's very bizarre. I've never even seen the whole thing, but uh, but I just know about it. But uh, I don't know. I seeing you there makes me think of like if there's a thing about a guy who he's like starting his own, this kind of takes us back to room maybe too. He's like starting his own podcast or not a podcast. He's starting his own, it could be a podcast, but it's also like a, a radio station. Um, or it's almost like a secret life thing. So there's a guy ah, who has okay. a secret life and maybe outside of that closet, he's got a wife and, and some kids and some friends in town and no one, no, they all listen to it. But they don't know it's him. Exactly. What about this? What if what if he's like the mayor? He's like the mayor of the town and he got in there because because like you and I were saying, he was this great what if he was like a jack of all trades and he was very <laughs> diplomatic? People were like, You should run for mayor and his family had some connections mm-hmm. and he got into mayor, but his his true love was he he had some sort of thing where he wanted to speak out, and he felt like this was the only way he could do <laughs> the it. The only so way he, he could do it without getting in trouble. Exactly. And so he has he to goes, disguise his voice. Yes, he has to disguise his voice. Um, how does he disguise his voice? He, well, what if he just did a voice? Like a, if it was like <laughs> like he played uh, jazz music and acted like he was a beatnik? <laughs> there you go. Like, yeah. And so then he, he has like he'll just he'll do little snaps all the yeah. time too. And he does yeah, yeah. this voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. That voice to try to get out of yeah, yeah, people recognizing like, him. Like, hey, Daddy O. <laughs> Welcome to the closet. And <laughs> yeah. then, uh, but then what could be cool is that he, that's the only way. What if he starts using that? Is that's the only way that he can take down his current establishment? Uh. And so he can talk about <laughs> yeah. things like, hey. I heard Mayor Jackson's got this new bill coming through, so he can stir up. So he starts affecting his he starts affecting his own office, and then maybe he even realizes that this this is like his passion. But then he, it makes him realize how much he actually likes his job as the mayor. Yeah. So he's caught in this conundrum where he likes his job as the mayor, but 
now this is affecting it. So he has to keep up this this secret to so kind whole, of this is the whole series. This isn't even just this an the, episode. We just, we just we just figured a series arc yeah, to this thing. Come yeah. on, NBC, call listen, us. Listen, listen, guys. We know that you guys. We know you guys want a good secretive single camera drama. Yeah. That it's it could know, be like, like Ed. Ed. It could be like Ed. Like Ed. He's a, a lawyer, but then he uh, owns a bowling alley. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So this is this, this is like one, Ed, but you've got it. You've got like a Breaking Bad type secret right. life element to it. Yeah. So yeah. the the mayor is weaving in things in his job life into his radio show. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And we've got. There's got to be a thing too. Yeah, we've got it. There's got to be a thing too where. He, he goes into the closet. He's like sneaking in the closet or something. And maybe he hears his wife outside talking to her friend about how she's like, she doesn't know he's home. And she's talking to her friend. And she's like, I just, I don't know what's going on with him these days. I think he's having an affair. I don't think he loves me anymore. And so then he starts talking on the, on the radio cast about how he's like, you can just tell the mayor loves his wife so much. And he, and he, and he knows that his wife listens. So he basically sort of plays this. He gets his mayor back into a good place by seeing like, look at him on TV. Hey mayor, if you're listening, give a wink to the camera to let everyone know how much you love Christy. And then he does it when he's in the press conference. He winks. He sets himself up. He alleyoops himself slam dunks it for his own marriage yeah look at that we what's the name we gotta come up with a name for the show yeah what would it be uh i mean we it's, could uh, just go with the name like mayor blah blah yeah blah. uh yeah yeah that's true it, it could just be, be his name like Ed. maybe it's behind closed doors but that sounds like behind a drama. closed doors that's a good that's a good i mean yeah we, I mean, we could also do it's it, it could it, it's kind of a double entendre uh, not really a double entendre but it's just like it could double be like in the meaning. closet Right. Yeah, behind yeah. closed doors, in the closet. In the closet sounds like it's like he's got a secret or he's like he's but yeah, I like behind closed doors actually. It fits with both. We've got it could it. be it could yeah, behind closed we're, doors. Could be that. Yeah. We're gonna I be think we did it. All right. <laughs> hey guys. Uh NBC, Hulu, Netflix, anyone want to give us a call? Um hit yeah, us we're up. here. Just hit us up. Yeah. Tweet us. Tweet us, guys. <laughs> there it is. Thanks so much for being on the on the podcast. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, man. Appreciate yeah. it. It was fun. Hey, what a nice guy. Corey's great. I really enjoyed that conversation. I had a lot of fun. He actually emailed me later uh, that day or the next day and said, you know what? I've been thinking about it, and the show should definitely be called Behind Closed Doors. I just I was really tickled and found it really endearing that he was thinking about that, and he emailed me to tell it. It made me laugh, and I... I I really like Corey. Uh, it was a good time. A little update on his new gig. He said things are going good at Nickelodeon. So that's great. I'm happy that's uh, that's going on uh, still. Uh, of course, that episode was uh, recorded a little while back. And he is there now uh, and working. Also, he's got a stand-up show called Great Times with Corey and Kevin. And people can check out the show at greattimesshow.com. His comedy group, Awful DJ, and all of their series and whatnot are at awfuldj.com. So go to that. Go to that stuff. If you're in New York, check out his show with Kevin. He's a funny man. Hey, would you like to support the podcast? You can. Go to thereitispod.com and click on support. You can donate one time or monthly. Support goes to allowing me to keep doing this as well as buying equipment, hosting fees, and the like. 
This episode was brought to you in part by Petra Novak, Devin Lewis, Mally Maharis, Kelly Gaines, and Sarah Mitchell. Thank you very much, you wonderful people, for your donation. I hope you have their itis. I couldn't have done this without you. Uh, the next episode, I interview world champion beatboxer Kayla Milady. She actually teaches me how to beatbox in it, so check that out. Until next time, this has been There It Is. Be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 